0: And welcome to another episode of Interactive Control, the place to get all your burning industrial control questions answered. I'm your host, Michelle Rosinski. Today my guest is Dr. Rajiva Kumar. Rajiva is currently the advanced technology and digital leader for Nexus Controls. He has 29 years of experience in research and development for control systems. In the past, he's worked for National Aerospace Laboratories in India the German Aerospace Center in Germany, and the GE Global Research Center in the U.S. on projects such as flight control programs, actuator fault detection, isolation and configuration, physics-based modeling, model-based sensing and controls, parameter estimation, and signal processing. Rajiva has a Bachelor's of Technology in Aeronautical Engineering, a Master's of Technology in Aerospace Engineering, a Master's of Science in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science, and a PhD in Aerospace Engineering. Today, Rajiva is going to talk to us about the Fourth Industrial Revolution, or 4IR. Let's listen in on part one of this two part series. Hi, Rajiva. Thanks for being on our show with us today. We really appreciate your time.
1: Hey, uh, Michelle, thanks for having me for your podcast.
0: Of course. So to start off, I wanted to ask you to explain a bit about how your role or past experience has led to your knowledge of our topic today, which is the fourth industrial revolution or 4IR.
1: Thanks, Michelle. Um, Let me give you some um, background, a little bit of my background. Um, I work in technology group here at uh, Nexus Control out of its uh, headquarters in Longmont, Colorado as advanced technology leader. I have been in this office and role for almost six plus years. Uh, I'm also the contact person in technology for everything digital for the business. And in that role, I provide technology guidance, mentorship, and oversight of various programs, as well as look for opportunity to collaborate internally and externally on problems and solutions in this domain. And before I came to this business, I had almost 22 years of experience in um, uh, research and development. Uh, if I include uh, six years of my uh, PhD program in um, in Michigan and Arbor. And uh, during this period, I worked in various organizations. I work in annual uh, uh, Bangalore, uh, National Aerospace Laboratories Bangalore, which is um, part of an, an umbrella uh, organization called Center for Scientific and Industrial Research. And uh, what we do there is basically uh, like applied research and development for the industrial area, right? And so, I, there I worked in a prestigious uh, um, LCA flight control program. Then, for a short time, I worked in DLR, Brunswick, Germany, on actuator fault detection, isolation, and 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 uh, like a reconfiguration uh, problem. And then, after my PhD program, I joined um, G Global Research, Niskiuna, uh, in uh, in uh, New York. In the controls group, and again worked on various applied research and technology development program as part of new uh, technology introduction and the new product introduction are, um, for various G business, and as well as for government funded uh, early technology development and demonstration program. So actually, I was in GRC when G started its work on uh, Predix, like their their um, uh, IoT platform and uh due to that work it provided us a lot of exposure and, uh, and understanding of um, iot technologies and also uh just to add like all through my r&d career i have been uh, uh, i have worked on various advanced ethno- uh, analytics programs related to um, building physics-based model, uh, sen- uh, physics uh, based model physics model based sensing model based controls parameter estimation signal processing all the things what you hear in data science nowadays and uh, and uh, uh <laughs> Last but not the least, uh, not to mention that I hung around a lot of really smart people throughout my career who were working in this area. And then finally, working for a business like uh, Nexus Control, which is my first true non-R&D job, gave me some real and very important exposure to some of the constraints that business and our, uh, our customer face, especially related to scalability, uh, scalability and life lifecycle management of advanced uh, analytics, right? Uh, so this gave me a deep appreciation of kind of technologies that one can employ for solving real customer problems. And uh, so, I, so I don't think it's any one job or role in particular. Uh, like rather the experience I gained over the year uh, that have provided me uh, some background, uh, some knowledge of for I R the topic of today.
0: Yeah, wow! It sounds like you have. a a breadth of experience in you know not only globally right working with a in a lot of different places but many years across many different you know subjects so um that's great i'm really excited to have you on Uh, thanks michelle (laughs) so the next thing i wanted to ask you is if you could provide your definition of 4ir or the fourth industrial revolution i think Um, Depending on who you're talking to, the definitions can vary slightly. And, you know, maybe some of our listeners haven't heard the term or they aren't sure what it is. So can you talk a bit about what it is and why it matters to users of industrial control systems?
1: Great question, Michelle. Um, Thanks for asking this, because As you know, like 4IR is so ubiquitous that sometimes we forget that we are already in it, right? Um, so there are basically two parts to your question: like, what is um, 4IR, or uh, the fourth industrial um, um, revolution, and why does it matter to users of industrial control system? I'll try to answer them both, both separately. So first, uh, let's talk about what it is, right? So, um, uh, so. According to Wikipedia, like the phrase uh, for the industrial revolution was first introduced by a team of scientists developing a high-tech strategy for some next wave of innovation in manufacturing technology for the German government. And this was in 2011, around 2011. So this is like just a decade back. And then you can credit uh, Mr. Klaus Schwab, uh, who is the uh, executive chairman of uh, WEF Devos for bringing the word in wider circulation. Um, basically, he published an article. Uh, I think the article title was something around like mastering the fourth industrial uh, um, revolution in a foreign uh, affair magazine in 2015. So I think from there, it got into public lingo. So. To understand like what fourth industrial revolution is, I think we need to understand what was first, second and third industrial revolution, and why this is fourth, right? So the first industrial revolution was about mechanizing production uh, using steam power and uh, uh, like which started in Europe and which led to industrialization factory production in 19th century. Um, as it started after like James Watt discovered that, hey, steam has a lot of power, right, which can be used for mechanizing or industrializing the factories. So th- uh, so that was the first industrial revolution. The second industrial revolution was all about electricity. Like when Edison and Tesla, they figured out how to transport electricity from uh, from a generation side, like from the production side to to factories to houses and so on and so forth. and this gives right uh, this gave rise to um, assembly lines and led to first wave of mass production so from industrialization in first in, uh, in first uh, revolution to the mass production in the second the third one was um, the third industrial uh, like revolution referred to use of uh, information technology like advances in controls in electronics to basically automate the production so from industrialization you went to mass production now to automate production and you will see like wide scale uses of computers and switch from and uh, 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 switch from analog to mechanical controller to um, more and more advanced and versatile digital controller so from analog you went to digital and that is basically the idea here was to automate the production so the fourth industrial uh, like revolution is is a continuation of third uh, industrial revolution in some sense. And it's a move towards more and more automation through uh, digitization or data exchange and communication. And today's uh, industrial revolution is basically driven by digital technologies and its ability to fuse physical, digital, and maybe even biological elements. And this is not a new form of technology. I mean, I, neither is it a business idea. It's, it's, it's just an approach inspired by all the advancement what we have seen in data science, machine learning, controls, robotics, computer uh, computing power, um, uh, platforms like uh, to achieve results which were not there or uh, which we couldn't do um, like few um, years back or ten, ten years back. So, so this is what. I will define as the fourth industrial revolution, like more <clears throat> more automation through digitization. And uh, coming back to your other question, like why does it matter to uh, users of ICS, uh, our industrial control system? So the f- fourth, um, why this matter is basically um, because of the speed, scope, and system impact. So the speed of change, what we are seeing here um, in, in this revolution, like because of uh, digitization, is unprecedented is really very very um, like the speed of change is very high and this is disrupting every industry in every country the breadth and depth of these changes are going to transform the entire system of production and management the way we know it today and this techno, these technologies they have potential to make system more smart as well as more autonomous and thus have a direct uh, play our role in improving productivity of today's um, production system, right? Of of today's system. And just to emphasize that point a little bit more, like if you look at the productivity growth in non-farm uh, business sector, and I'm I'm quoting this data from U.S. Uh, business Labor of uh, Statistics. After growing for almost like every decade from um, mid 70s to 2007. Like, uh, last year the rate of growth has come down significantly it was it used to be like uh, 2.8 2.7 2.9 and last year it dropped to 1.5 which is pretty low and if you if you look at the manufacturing sector like the productivity in the manufacture uh, um, in the manufacturing sector that is even more dramatic like it was um like last uh, from 2000 to 2007 it was 4.4% and now it is 0.4% for the last 13 years so um so this is one reason why one uh, the users of ICS should care uh, what these technologies can bring, because they are certainly going to, um, I mean, they have potential to reverse uh, productivity growth. Uh, um, trend of last 10 to 13 years where the productivity is going, gaining, um, growing only by like 0.4%, which is really small. And um, if you're, in, and, and from a practical perspective, like if you're an ICS user um, using 4IR, You can improve by productivity by providing right information to the right person and when it is needed. You can improve uptimes of your machine and assets. You can improve accessibility of your limited experts to your technicians. You can cut down cost of production and you can improve asset utilization through basically meaningful integration of your operations and your ERP data and your production means. And this is where the 4IR comes into picture. And I mean, there are so many things, um, like one can think of, where using elements of um, um, fourth industrial revolution, you can improve. You can not only improve your productivity and your bottom line, you can also avoid being uh, obsolete and relevant in the marketplace. So I think it's very important for all our ICS users. Wow.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I might be biased, but I think that was one of the best definitions that I've heard of for IR. I've read some articles and, you know, I'm I'm aware of it, but you know, just the background of the other industrial revolutions and the differences, I think that's extremely helpful context. And then, you know, in terms of why ICS users care, it makes a lot of sense that we're moving in this direction of being able to better integrate kind of the business information with the production Information and the and the control the process so that we can optimize and reduce downtime and you know prevent um, becoming obsolete as we continue to move forward right it's this is happening this is you know a revolution for a reason and if you're not moving forward with it then you do run the risk of becoming obsolete exactly so can you talk in some more detail about the various components that contribute to 4IR and the potential benefits they can provide?
1: Sure, Michelle. Um, let's first talk about the various component that uh, contributes to uh, 4IR. So as I mentioned, the essential feature of 4IR are basically more automation to data exchange and So the various technologies that, uh, that are contributing these trends are low cost, low power sensors, Big data, uh, advanced computing, both cloud and edge, um, the 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 cheap computing also like uh, advanced and cheap computing, um, AI, um, augmented reality, connectivity, ad, uh, additive manufacturing, advanced uh, robotics, industrial IoTs, cybersecurity. All these all these technologies are coming together to make this four IR possible. And uh, as I said, is the 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 main feature is basically the more automation through data exchange and And what is happening is that all these are changing the landscape of, for consumers as well as for industrial product. And uh, since here we are interested in only in, in, in industrial market and products, so I won't go into the, the consumer part of it, consumer product. But I must say that the experiences what our users are getting from this con- consumer products like iPhones and iPads of the world, like they are also affecting their thinking and expectations from their industrial product. So, 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 mm-hmm. uh, and That's a good so, point. yeah. That's so this is everywhere, right? And so you will see this everywhere. And now coming to the benefit of various component um, that contributes to 4IR. Um, so l- let's let's take like one by one. Um, um here and let's talk about low power and low cost sensors like i mean access to low cost low power sensor technology are making deployment and uh, of multiple and redundant sensors uh, smart sensors possible i mean this is this is affording us to collect data which which we didn't have earlier or uh, which were not very common or uh, very easily available so this is this is this is adding to that that ecosystem then Then we are seeing like elements of four IR um, um, coming together combined together to create broader sensing solutions through combination of hardware uh, hardware sensors, uh, process uh, process model like phase based process model, uh, computing power and data analytics and uh, one example of this could be from our own uh, Baker Hughes uh, business is 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 the lumen terrain for continuous monitoring of fugitive gas um, from Baker Hughes. And where different elements of process sensed through various sensor at different locations are are then combined in the real time to get information which is fugitive uh, gas which is coming uh, from the field. And don't get me wrong, I mean technology like these has been there for a long time. I mean the, what has changed is is basically the commoditization of um, uh, low cost sensors, hardware, and the computing power. And this and and the connectivity right so this this is the 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 lowering of hardware costs low latency data communication cloud computing uh, advanced analytics all these has made made these kind of solution very uh, broad based and prevalent and uh, i mentioned connectivity and cloud computing i mean the low cost and low latency connectivity powered by relatively cheaper affordable powerful hardware um, including like um, system on chip like SOC technologies and the host of net, uh, network protocol which is making it possible to transfer loads of data to a specialized and scalable platform like cloud um, and bring back process information seamlessly to a customer device. I mean these 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 kind of um, improvement or these kind of uh, like the development what we have seen in last few years that has accelerated the development and use of more uh, complex algorithms which we didn't do earlier right to solve real customer problems and because because uh, now with good connectivity and cloud computing you don't need to worry about footprint you don't need to worry about scalability Um, like you don't have to worry about uh, the life cycle management of your applications all these things you had to worry about earlier when these things were not so common and this has led to exponential growth in uh, new complex algorithm as well as commoditizing existing algorithm like i'm mean, take for example um digital personal assistant uh, assistant like siri or uh, alexa right nlp the core of that is nlp like uh, but it ha- nlp has been there for for a while when i was doing doing phd people were talking about nlp um
0: NLP. NLP is natural language processing,
1: right? Exactly, Uh, uh, natural language processing. So the NLP had been there for a while, but it was never commoditized the way we see today. Why? Because now we have low latency communication and cloud computing. That has solved the footprint problem, right? So now you're holding a a smartphone which weighs like less than half a pound. You're not holding a mainframe computer to do all these calculations. And such a development have helped to commoditize technology like NLP and many such kind of algorithms, which are um, like uh, in, a, in, in a way like has fueled the growth of this automation, this kind of automation. And uh, when we are talking about connectivity, like let's not forget about 5G, which is just coming up. Like, I mean, 5G technology is, is, is going to be really uh, like very, very um, um, interesting because it can deliver like multi-gigabyte per second peak data speed, like currently what we have, like um, uh, uh, 100, 200 um, bytes, uh, like bits per second. Um, And it also offers very low latency. So a lot of critical applications where you couldn't like do a long, uh, which you could not uh, do earlier. Now you can do that with with 5G. More reliable, more reliable and um, Like uh, uh, more capacity of the network, as well as to do network slicing. Like so, just imagine what this will do to the business. And uh, all these enable technologies. I mean, low cost sensors, high speed um, um, and low low latency connectivity, tons of cheap computing power, cybersecurity are all by are by themselves are. Game changers, right? But they add on more muscles and have more multiplier effect due to big data, machine learning, and AI. And um, like the term big data, uh, what we normally um, uh, describe is as a large volume of data, both um, like it can be structured or unstructured, like maybe like your time series or your emails and pictures and those kind of things that a, a business collector has access to. Um, but when when in 4IR, um, um, like uh, context, when you talk about big data, what we are m- mainly referring to the insights this data can provide. And uh, if you look at industrial settings, like uh, uh, any industrial setting, you have... Um, like businesses which have access to tons of data, they have access to their their um, sensor data, time series sensor data, uh, telling something about their process. They uh, and equipment performance. They have alarm alerts data, which is providing information about process and equipment health. You have ERP data, having information about business processes. Uh, uh, even so, you, you, so businesses have a lot of data which they can they can um, like uh, combine to figure out how to improve the productivity. And um, like, even though the access of various type of data and uh, like uh, amount of data are very important, they can also be very overwhelming and difficult to make sense um, by just looking at it or by like uh, a human. And that's where the machine learning uh, uh, AI, you hear it all the time, Uh, those things comes in. And um, they, they, uh, through, Big data framework, along with machine learning and AI, one can analyze these tons of data for using for generating insights faster and easier, and that may lead to uh, that will lead to a better business. So I think that's that's why this is so important.
0: Wow, yeah, there's uh, so many components to for IR, right? So you know, I'm just I think I captured some. I don't think I captured all of them, but I you mentioned the low power, low cost sensors. You mentioned the cheap compute power. Uh, the, the cloud computing, which is reducing the concerns around footprint and lifecycle issues, the the high speed connectivity, low latency, uh, data analytics, right, and then you know even taking that a step further with big data, and then you know once you have the big data, the importance of machine learning and AI, uh, cybersecurity. So I think I captured the majority of things you mentioned. I know you also mentioned edge computing. Briefly, but then largely you talked about cloud computing and how much of an enabler uh, it is for 4IR. H- can you talk a little more about how edge computing fits in for, for ICS owners?
1: Um, great question, Michelle. Uh, I'm very glad that you asked that um, because I know there are a lot of industri- uh, industrial customers who do not want to put their operational data on public cloud, like AWS or Azure. And, um, but they can suddenly create a local cloud on-premise. But there's more to it. It's not about all about cloud computing. I mean, there are more to it. Uh, more to it. And there's certainly some amount of confusion in ICS users' mind. And quite a few of them might be thinking that, hey, this is not for my business. And but that is not necessarily true. 4 IR is all about more and more automation through connectivity and data and information sharing. And depending upon what one is trying to achieve, a lot of solution in this space do not need to be on cloud. In fact. Uh, so in certain cases, cloud may offer certain benefit, in some other cases, hosting solution on cloud may be even decremental to uh, overall system performance. Let me give you a few examples. So consider a case where uh, your ICS has safety that trips the unit based on constant threshold value, right? And obviously tripping the unit leads to loss of production and revenue loss. So you'd like to avoid or minimize tripping unless it's absolutely essential for production of uh, protection of your unit or people. Now, you have been operating this unit for, say, some time. And suppose with the experience, you realize that, hey, this threshold does not need to be constant value. Rather, it's, it's, it can be a variable, um, um, say, Z, and which is a complex function of process data, um, some downstream auxiliary settings, and uh, machine conditions, and so on. And, so and with this variable setting on your threshold, you can avoid tripping the unit for certain conditions without compromising the safety. Okay, so now you want to implement this this insight that hey, how uh, my this this trip my trip should not be a fixed value, which is normally the case, but can be a variable which depends on a lot of other things. What is happening around the system? Now, since computation of variable Z is quite complex and maybe um, like this time-consuming, you don't want to implement this algorithm in your controller. In fact, due to real-time nature of the ICS, implementing complex algorithm which has uncertain execution time is, in my mind, is absolutely no-no. You you don't want to do that. And in this case, uh, actually in this case, you are better off having an an edge computing platform alongside with the ICS, um, maybe within the control network, which takes information from ICS and other field devices and downstream uh, systems, and then use complex analytics to compute this uh, variable threshold value Z and communicate back this to the controller where the threshold value get modified. And in this case, due to safety critical nature of the threshold, you would like to have the computation of this variable threshold value done within the control network to avoid any uncertainty related to time delay or, uh, norm, uh, or the, uh, which are normally associated with cloud. Uh, with cloud. So this is one such example uh, where you want to improve uptime without compromising safety, where implementing solution on cloud could be even decremental to the overall system integrity and performance. There are other examples, too.
0: Thanks for that great explanation and example, Rajiva. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But more to come on this topic in our next episode, for sure.
1: I hope uh, you enjoyed it. And uh, thanks for having me once again. Take care.
0: Yes, you too. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks everyone for joining me for today's episode of Interactive Control, where we discussed the definition of 4IR, why it matters to industrial control system users, the different components of 4IR, and how each contributes to this powerful revolution. Be sure to check out part two for more on edge computing, recommendations on how to get started with 4IR, and several other factors to consider, including cybersecurity. We at Nexus Controls, Hope you found this discussion helpful. If so, please subscribe to our podcast and tell all your control friends about us. You may also wanna check out our website at nexuscontrols.com, where you can learn more about our digital services, such as remote monitoring and our virtual assistant. Lastly, don't forget the title of this podcast is Interactive Control for a Reason. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover that we haven't yet, please send me a message over LinkedIn or email and we'll do our best to cover it in a future episode. Thanks again, and bye for now.